Welcome to Parenting Podcast, where we explore the intersection of family, culture, and faith on behalf of young people. My name is Dr. Chap Clark. Welcome to Parenting. Through these podcasts, I will be doing some things. We'll have other guests along the way. You can find a series of them on our website, chapclark.com or parenting.com. But we're wrapping up kind of this first series on three very crucial aspects to what it means to grow up, what it means for a child, an adolescent, a young adult, or even those of us who are adults to be somehow interconnected with others. We move from being dependent as a child on our family system and our community into the necessary independence of adolescence and emerging adulthood so that we can be interdependent with others. And so we're exploring the three tasks that are all related to that. First, we talked about identity. Take a look at that. Listen to that podcast. We last time talked about uh, the need for having a purpose. And as we explored purpose, we looked more carefully at a couple of things. One is it does matter what the focus of our purpose is. The human is designed to want to contribute to the health of society and other people. And we talked about that a little bit. And the second thing with purpose is it takes a sense of self in order to attach that sense of self to others. Otherwise, we'd be living out of, a, out of an avatar, out of a performance, as opposed to authentically being committed to our purpose, identity of purpose. And this third one is something that a lot of people kind of assume is just, just comes with the territory, with almost everybody. It's belonging. The necessity for belonging, where we, we know we're part of something bigger than ourselves, and that's that third task. So why, why would it be a task? What, what does the child, adolescent, or young adult have to do anything or own anything in order to have a sense of belonging to live their lives in and through? Well, most of us think probably belonging is related to simply what is, where we belong to a family, or an extended family. We belong to a class, a country, a political party, an ideology, a faith. Uh, we belong to a sports team. We belong to our good friends who have aligned with us. But all of those may or may not be something that we actually own or embrace. Belonging, the developmental task of belonging is where I receive the fact that I am cared for and loved, and I don't have to do anything to earn that. And the best sort of belonging, I do not in any way am, am not dependent on how I live in order to make sure that I still belong. It's really a sense that no matter what, I am part of this group of people that love me and care for me and will always be there for me. In years past, that would have been, of course, your community, maybe your tribe, your nation, and likely your family, unless you did something horrific, perhaps. But for almost everybody, when you belonged, you simply belonged. You were a member of that community. As the years have gone on, however, that's become much more difficult to to grasp, to understand. Think about it for yourselves. As we're talking, probably most of you would be adults who have gone through a life of 
trying to determine who is it you truly belong to. Where do you fit? Where are you safe? Where is it unconditional? They may be upset with you or bothered by you, but still you belong to them and they to you. That is a crucial developmental um, task, process that we have to go through. And we got to help kids to, to actually understand that and grab onto that. In around 2000, a political um, uh, commentator, a political scientist from Harvard, Robert Putnam, also a sociologist, wrote the book called Bowling Alone, where he talked about the decline and ultimately the dissolution of what is called social capital. Now, social capital is not a term that is used by many people very often, but think in terms of capital. Capital is resources that I have. It's something at my disposal, and it's something I possess and I can rely on to move my life forward. Social capital are people in my life. It really is the, the essence of belonging. And when Putnam wrote this in 2000, he did major studies and collaborated with other scholars to take a look at what had happened in, in several decades leading up to this book being published in 2000. And his premise, and that's why it's titled Bowling Alone, was more people were bowling in the year 2000 than in the 60s. But the difference was very few people were bowling in bowling leagues. They were bowling by themselves. And he used that metaphor to talk about our lives became more and more fragmented over the decades. And some call it the, the period of the 60s and however you look back on that time. Um, sociologists look at that and call it deconstruction, deconstruction, deconstructing the cultural and societal norms that hold us together as a people. And through the 60s, that radical fallout as the world was changing that deconstruction, we labeled it postmodernism about a decade or two later, where more and more people were deciding for themselves what to believe, what to think, how to act. And we moved more into a season of fragmentation than kind of we're all in this together. Um, that fragmentation was written about quite a bit in the 80s and the 90s, and people talked about how the idea that we are now moving closer and closer to smaller fragments of community. Uh, certainly our family, for mo if your family was healthy, but also in your community, it was not less about your neighbors and more about who you aligned with. Kind of a precursor to uh, what we'd call tribalism today. Um, and what happened is during that period, that was a kind of a snowball uh, that had gotten started somewhere around post-World War II when the whole world order changed and deconstruction came into play and there was all kind of turmoil in the 60s and 70s. And then what ended up happening as we moved into fragmentation, that played itself out where people started using a word that was limited to biology, a word atomization. They, they started to use the word atomized. We're no longer fragmented. We now are atomized. And it, it's used, you could Google it and find it in articles over the last 10 or 15 years. Not very often, but when it comes up, it, it kind of says 
there's so many indicators that we are more alone and on our own than maybe any society in history. What we do know is this has taken a massive toll on young people for literally the last three or four decades. So people that are roughly 40 and younger, up until about 1990, I mean, 2019-2020, we were becoming more and more atomized, people were becoming more and more isolated, and the mental health indicators were kind of going off the charts for everybody, but especially for two categories, teenagers and young adults and middle-aged men. We won't even explore that one right now, maybe sometime. But then the pandemic hit. And when we have a group of teenagers and young adults and people roughly up to 30, 35, who had felt more isolated and alone as a, as a group, macro, getting into a helicopter going, looking down 10,000 feet, um, were feeling like they were, and the word that's been labeled for them is atomized. The loneliness of society. Sure, loneliness has been a part of the human condition from the very beginning. And uh, those of you that are people of faith, you probably have a theology of loneliness. Um, in the Christian faith, we are functional orphans from the time of the, the fall in Genesis chapter 3. And we're all kind of wandering around looking for home, looking for that belonging. But as societies, we still grab onto each other. We've always found a way to to connect to each other, to believe in one another, to be there for one another. And yes, that's been the root of a lot of conflicts over history. But the last 40 or 50 years is really a new game. You got social media technology, um, the pandemic, all kinds of things coming to the surface, whether they're racial or political, ideological. Um, there is more and more that's happening uh, that is driving us to be more and more alone. And there's always been this part of the human condition about loneliness and being alone. But that seems to be a much more significant thing today for young people. Mother Teresa, uh, who worked in Calcutta with what she would call the least of these, using Matthew 25 and Jesus' great love, for even the broken and the destitute. She said this, the most terrible poverty is loneliness and the feeling of being unloved. Well, so so far I'm trying to make the case that when you look at your child, you're dealing with a kid in your class, you're a therapist, and you're, you're trying to understand as a youth worker or a grandparent what's really going on inside that 7-year-old, that 16-year-old, that 27-year-old is they're looking for their sense of self, their identity. What makes them unique? They're looking for a sense of purpose and autonomy. What makes them worthy of being noticed and known and cared for? And this last one, they just want to know that when they're feeling cut off, they're feeling like they can't make it, they're constantly trying to perform their way into blessing, that they feel so all alone. The last 10 or 15, 20 years in, in my work, I've been seeing this more and more, that if there's a single word that would describe the younger generations, it's this overwhelming sense of aloneness and the need to somehow work my way into getting people to care. 
And just to know that when you're dealing with that, um, that, that classroom or that youth group or those three children that are your grandchildren, your own child who's seven, who just wants to know that you deeply care for them and they have a place where they can go and be safe. Well, that's the need for belonging. They need to know that it's not because of what they do, of how they look, how they conform, when they're good or bad. It's because they are part of you and you are part of them. Um, it's been about 20 years ago now that I started to understand and to work towards what someone uh, had been working on quite a bit, a guy named William Damon from Stanford University, where he looked at social capital and he looked at what do young people need to thrive, and that's helped morph into what we call positive psychology, thriving. That's where purpose comes in, and identity is a part of that. But this notion of belonging, belonging to whom? Who, who really is mine? Who cares for me? Where do I fit? And out of Damon's work and then a lot of my work back in those days in the mid-early 2000s leading up until about 2010, it became clear to me that every young person, every child needs five to one. Five to one's always been kind of a ratio we might use in a youth ministry, for example, where you get one leader for five kids and then you can cover your bases, you can know their story and make them into kind of a little group. Teachers can break kids down into groups of five to understand them in categories. But five to one is not about five young people to one adult. What they need now, especially in a world where there's there's so much isolation and feeling solitary and alone, so much atomization, that yes, five to one is what they need, but it's not five kids to one adult. It's one adult, one kid that has at least five non-parental adults that are in their life without strings attached. That's what your child, that's what every kid in your classroom, that's what every kid in your church or synagogue or wherever you are connected to them, they need at least five non-parental adults that say, you belong to me, I belong to you, we're in this together, don't ever worry about that. Because every one of these precious kids need at least five non-parental adults who are without condition loving them. They know their story. They can sit with them and listen instead of talk. I'll finish with this. I was speaking for a community seminar um, on some of my work from Hurt 2.0 and also Sticky Faith. And at the end of it, this one person who was one of the leaders of it wanted to drive me to the airport. And I said, okay, that'd be great. And uh, as he drove me to the airport, he goes, I really get it now. I totally get it. The guy went on to say that he's about 40-something. He had a pretty major job. He was a player in the school district. He was an elder at his church. I mean, one of these kind of upstanding men. And he, and he said this. He goes, I know what my son needs. I've had such problems with him. He's 16, and we just don't see eye to eye. We don't get it. Is he needs two things. I heard this from you. Thank you so much. One is he needs five men that are going to pour into him. Everything inside of me, I, I just felt like ah, I failed this kid and this dad. 
in this community because I didn't say five men, first of all. The, the way we've been designed is uh, men and women in community that has a whole lot of differences connected to it, that kids don't just, boys don't just need five men and girls need five women, is boys need men and women to be whole. Young women, girls need five men and women to be whole. We got to have healthy relationships. We got to have boundaries. But we got to break down this this segmentation, this fracturing between genders, especially for our kids' sake. So first, it's not about five men. It's five adults that are healthy and are not in it for what they can grab from the kid. And the second thing, he said, you know, five men to pour into my kid. That's what a lot of adults think that kids need with belonging. I'm going to pour into them. I'm going to challenge them. I'm going to make sure that I'm giving messages where they... They have support, and they need to get at it, and I believe in them, but they got to get at it. Well, actually, no, they don't need more talking. At the right time, after a lot of listening and a lot of standing alongside, but what they mostly need is someone that simply cares. To sit on the curb with a kid where you're safe enough where they will share or just be quiet with you. Five to one. Five men and women caring for each child, knowing that this kid needs more than anything is my presence and support, and not necessarily my pouring my wisdom in, although there's a place for that. Five to one, because every one of these kids need to know they belong. I'm Dr. Chap Clark, and this is Parenting.